0: From here to there, we cannot go unless we change and start to grow. Welcome to Lead, Sell, Grow, a show that helps you amplify your leadership, grow your sales, and take your life to the next level, all while being human. Here are your hosts, Eric Konovalov and Harry Spate. All right. Welcome to another episode of Lead, Sell, Grow, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us today. Um, if you have not done so, head over to Facebook, join our group, Lead, Sell, Grow, the human experience tribe. We want to hear from you. We want to hear your ideas. We want to talk to you. We want to connect with you. Now, this show is all about helping our listeners become better leaders, better sales professionals, and just grow personally. And today's guest is going to help us do all of those things. So with us today we got Nick Connor. He is the author of Brandability. My man grew up in Boise, Idaho, if you guys know where that is on a map, but I guarantee you you don't know where this is on a map. He now lives in Estonia. He is an entrepreneur. He helps coaches and business people grow their businesses and we're just super excited to have him. Now his story is going to rock your world because he went from being a pro-athlete, pro-athlete to entrepreneur. And I can't wait to dive in. Nick, welcome to the show.
1: Great to be here, fellas. I appreciate you having welcome. me. And uh, yeah, great job on the intro. <laughs>
0: thank you. Thank you. I practiced it all day. Estonia is in Montana, I think, right? Estonia is, yes, it's just a few miles from Boise, Idaho. So Nick, tell us, how, how did you... How'd you end up from Boise to, to pro athlete to Estonia?
2: In 60 seconds. Yeah. yeah, No, right. (laughs) You know, know it's crazy.
1: And, and well, it's kind of crazy. I use that, maybe that word too much. I think we throw that word out a lot, but it's going to sound crazy when I tell you it was all, all a part of the plan. So I'll just give you a little bit of backstory on what I mean. I grew up. I grew up as a as a as a kid of of a professional athlete. My dad played in the NBA for the Washington Bullets for a hot second when they were uh-huh. in Washington. And so, when you grow up in that environment, you know, you you see somebody that made it to that level, and so automatically it becomes a real possibility for you. So, right away, the plan for me early on, just being a Connor kid in a small state like Idaho was to become a professional athlete, following the footsteps of my dad, of my grandfather, who was also drafted for professional football and professional baseball Hmm. and was a coach, actually coached my dad at Boise State University. So I was always thinking that professional sports was gonna be the thing for me. And fortunately I had some talent to back it up. And so you know, progressed through high school and got a division one scholarship and then was fortunate to sign as a free agent to play professional baseball. But here's here's where the story really begins and, and where it becomes relatable because not everybody can relate to being a professional athlete, but everybody can relate to maybe pursuing something and putting everything you can into it only to one day find out that it's not gonna work out for you. And for me, that happened when I was 27 years old and I was told that I could no longer play baseball again. So imagine you wake up every day feeling super motivated clear on what to do to get better you're clear on what's you know kind of your your peak and what's your bottom you have a ton of structure and then the next day you don't know what the heck you want to do with the rest of your life you know you you have no idea how to measure progress you have no idea uh, the uniform to put on every single day all of those things that sports provided me for 27 years so at 27 I was I was really lost and really at a point of searching. And I know you're a military guy, Eric. So I hear it a lot from military guys that they experienced a similar transition when they were. I did
0: totally lost. It's a, it's such a scary feeling, but Mm -hmm. so when somebody told you, you can't play professional baseball, was that due to a health issue or because you just weren't as good as everybody else?
1: The Dominicans, man. (laughs) (laughs)
2: The
0: <laughs> <Dominicans>, <laughs> my brethren the Dominicans come on it. bro you, you can't be playing you you got to take responsibility here uh, those kids <laughs> were, uh,
2: the Dominican kids are like swinging sticks at rocks from age one yeah but uh, they're
0: 30 when they come here and they don't have a
1: they look
2: 30 but
1: yeah. they're 16 and they're I, so talented they're so raw so for me you know i was 27 years old and i was already peaking at that point i Mm -hmm. was already a grown man and i was old in terms of baseball standards and so you got these young kids dominican puerto rico you know cuba you've got kids coming now from uh from asia and they're young and they're super talented and so right away you realize like the one thing that really stood out and if you're a baseball fan you know what i'm talking about if you're a true baseball fan i you show up early and you go to batting practice. And there's a certain sound that the ball makes when it hits a bat of a really talented hitter. And I just remember hearing that sound and it wasn't coming from my bat. And uh, uh, that's when I knew the writing was on the wall. And so, you know, needless to say, I needed to reshape my identity. I needed to figure out what was next for me. And there were a lot of things that went into that, but to tie it back to your question about how I ended up in Estonia, Uh, you know, I always wanted to be a father, I always wanted to be a husband. And I knew that everything that I did was going to be to build towards that. And uh, my father, uh, who I was very close with at that time in my life, he, I remember telling him, I'm going to marry a girl with an accent. And I'd never dated a girl with an accent, but I just said that to my father and, and, and my wife would back this up because it's a story that she tells all the time. Like, you know, we were meant to be and, and all of that. But, uh, so that's why I say it was all kind of a part of the plan, but it took me a while to get that clarity after I was released from professional baseball. And I think your listeners can probably relate to that. Maybe, you know, they're sitting there, they're salespeople, they're entrepreneurs, and they're thinking, you know, the classic, how do I get from where I'm at to where I want to be? Maybe they have a, vision of starting their own business a coaching business maybe they have a vision of you know selling enough to make the company trip you know whatever it might be and so they they probably can relate to that gap and uh, i was there for a while man
2: from yeah i
0: think they're thinking accent really that's that's like the main criteria criteria? (laughs) and your dad probably (laughs) thought you're talking about like alabama
2: or texas or some shit not estonia (laughs) oh my goodness Because they got accents down there.
1: Uh, That's funny, man. That's funny. (laughs) Well, people
2: with accents are smarter anyway, so she's got to be bright. Definitely. Smarter than who?
1: Smart girl. But that's funny you said that. I never thought of it that way. It could have been, you know, Backwoods, Alabama or
0: something like that. (laughs) Right. That total (laughs) accent over there.
2: Go ahead, Harry. Nick, uh, the way you are in baseball, I've got to believe, is also relatable because I'm thinking that that – thought process that the game was passing you by was not something that came overnight. Was that something that you saw in, you know, in the foreground that you're saying, you know, I've got to do this by next year or I'm hanging on here. And then I've got to make a decision. And you're kind of possibly were you putting that off a little bit in hopes that you're going to somehow reach what you wanted to reach in the game but knowing mentally that that was going to be a real challenge for you.
1: Yeah. I mean, you're talking about logic and logic, logic was, was always in the forefront, you know? And, and so I would say in high school, when I made the decision to play baseball instead of football or basketball, I had offers for all three. The, the moment I didn't get drafted out of high school is when doubt started to creep in for me. Mm. And and, and I knew that the clock was ticking because every baseball player knows that the clock is ticking. And so, yeah, you're absolutely right. But it's logical. And we all know that, you know, we, we do things emotionally. So the emotion of the vision of being a pro athlete and all those things, you know, fortunately it didn't keep me hanging on as long, as long as a lot of guys. I mean, I've got, I've got a couple of buddies. Matter of fact, a guy I played against in college, Kazmir, his name's, uh, 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 is his last name. I always forget his first name, but he just got called up for a one game into the big leagues after being down in the minor leagues for 18 years. He's been in the minor leagues for 18 years, hanging on for that next shot. And he got it, but there's a lot of guys that never get it because they're still emotionally hanging on to that dream. Yeah. It's hard to let go
2: of. Right. I can't imagine, but I think a lot of people in their job, I mean, even though it's not the dream, right? But it's just security too. Yeah, right? When you're point. doing the same thing over and over again, you said you're putting on a uniform, you knew what you were doing. I think that's true with a lot of people, myself included, mm. that you're just kind of, I'm here, right? <laughs> this is the world I know. This and we're somewhat afraid. Yeah, exactly. We're safe. And we're somewhat afraid of venturing out into that land of being uncomfortable. Right,
1: absolutely, and the, in the through going through a lot of of, of turmoil and, and ups and downs in in my own life, I always I always um, remind people how quick we are to forget. So the easy example is COVID. A lot of people are talking about how COVID is going to shake people up. How it's giving people an opportunity to see a side of life that they haven't had a chance to see. Maybe it's that they value what they didn't value before they took for granted. Maybe it's that they get a taste working from home for the first time and, uh, you know, get a feel how good that maybe feels to them. And so that is going to lead to changes, real changes. And I don't buy that because I think we're quick to forget. Mm. Think about 2008 when that, all that mess happened, 2008 with Mm -hmm. the world financially. People took a hit, but they got right back to their, old behaviors pretty quickly and a yeah, lot so believe- things to
2: go back to normal yeah right? they're not they want to learn they just wanted to go back to normal right whatever yeah. normal is
1: what, whatever normal is and for most yeah. people normal sucks
2: yeah normal exactly sucks. yeah i'd rather have the normal though isn't that funny because before the circumstance you know they'll be bitch and moan Right. Yeah. And that's the normal. But then when things get less than normal or maybe uh, things are less controllable, they want to go back to that normal. And there's a golden opportunity there that they may be missing out on. But I want to steal your thunder.
1: Well, you're right. You're 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 right. And in, in normal is uh, normal is comfortable. So it's a comfort level thing. But I also think it's just a um, a capacity for complexity. So you know, with my clients, the the, one of the first things that we talk about is, is their capacity for complex things. You know, we see it every day in the environment. Something that's more complex will consume something less complex. You know, the bird eats the worm, you know, the, the, the bigger bird eats that bird and, you know, so on and so forth. And so complex organisms always beat out less complex organisms. So the same thing is true in business. The same thing is true in life. If you don't, deal with complexity, you're gonna eventually tap out at your capacity. And in the military, I'm, I'm sure that this shows up. But in sports, the way that you get yourself into more complex situation is to just rise levels. You know, when I made it to Division one baseball, I was still the top 1% of that level. But when I made it to single A and double A in professional baseball, it was very complex. Hitting a 95 mile an hour curveball with movement was too damn much for me. And so I got, I got released as a result of that. And the same thing is true with business. So the question becomes, how do you increase your capacity for complexity? And you give an
0: example, sorry to interrupt you, but I'm just, I love the baseball analogy, but can you give us an example of how complexities, you know, get tougher, more complex in a business environment?
1: Yeah so so the easy example for me is 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 speaking in public and that's that's a real fear that most people can relate to so let's go with that right so there's this assumption that if you do it enough repetition you will somehow not feel all the feelings that you feel maybe leading up to the to the actual presentation but that's just not true the the you know i've spoke you know A lot in front of different audience sizes, virtually live, and the feeling always comes up. And so repetition never changes that. Well, what are we, because what are we fighting against? We're fighting against biology. We're fighting against cortisol. We're fighting against adrenaline. And so by doing it more often, you're simply learning to recognize and acknowledge what's happening It's not about overcoming it or eliminating it. It's about recognizing it and understanding what's happening to you so you can make a decision about how you're going to respond. And anybody that's ever spoke before will tell you that 10, 15 minutes into their presentation, they're fine. And so that's the thing that gets easier once you get beyond that threshold. And that threshold, if you imagine it like uh, you have the surface level, And we would build a house, we build on the surface level. That's where the foundation is. But then you know, we we build up, maybe we build two stories. Well, imagine that second story as your peak. That's where you're operating at your best. Some people experience that from time to time. So we're taught in order to grow, we need to set foundational goals. The problem with that is, is you're not dealing with what's under the surface. And what's under the surface are the things that traumas, you know, past things in your life that make it difficult for you to have perspective. So it's like building a house on sand. And so what I find is that most people, their capacity, they might peak up to that second level, but it's very short experiences up there because they're constantly kind of bouncing like an EKG below the surface, dealing with those issues, and they're in, in the surface level stuff, right? So, I I hope that kind of gives you a visual, right? So thermometer
0: versus the thermostat, yeah.
1: Yeah, that's another good one. That's another that's another good one. It's but it's not about eliminating maybe what's under the surface. It's to me, it's about dealing with it so that your baseline elevates, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, your setting the
0: thermostat higher. Yep. yep
1: setting the therapist higher so it's this idea that you're going to somehow eliminate things that i think keeps people stuck you know the in in that job that they don't like well you know i've got to eliminate all these bad behaviors so that i can be successful it's not about eliminating things it's just about learning how to manage them and deal with them
2: so one of the things that you brought up when you were going through your change uh listening to you on uh, rich cardona's podcast was you going from baseball player to door to door sales guy. I mean, talk about the, I mean, I don't know if there's anything worse than selling residentially and showing up in people's homes because people are so receptive to having strangers knock on their door. So how was, how was that changed for you?
1: Were you being, were, were, were you being
2: tongue in cheek, Eric, you really do? You like
1: it or you don't?
0: I love them. I honestly love them. I know I'm not love when salespeople knock on my door. Oh, okay. But would I you bring do them it? in? I want to hear the spiel. Like I have a conversation. <laughs> right. I'm looking to recruit potentially, but they're, you know, I, have
2: you ever done residential door to door sales, Eric? No, I haven't. Okay, it's it's a different world. Yeah, that's why talk, I know how talk tough Talk about it is. getting yelled at by oh, some yeah. guy who was protecting his
0: spouse or something. It's crazy. oh man, I hate it. Like I'm in a community now. We have this, you know, Facebook group, and people. God forbid the new internet guys walking through and knocking on doors. There's like alarm going off in the Facebook group. If we have no soliciting policies, and I got a guy knocking on my door, and I'm like, shut them, you know. Yeah. <laughs> let him work anyway let go ahead nick eat. tell us about how you got kicked out of places <laughs> yeah
1: exactly let the guy eat man and 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 i wish i would have knocked on a door like yours you know because i was dealing with a lot of military guys that we were in virginia and so we were out in stafford virginia woodbridge uh areas like that and you know i'd be sitting at the dinner table when you know, husband would come home after a four hour. Someone else's
2: dinner table, not your own dinner table, exactly. right? Exactly. <laughs> with his wife, with, with the guy's wife. wife
0: while he's at work. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So <laughs> good looking
0: dude. So I'm sure your hubby walks in. He's like, what the hell? Yeah. Selling, yeah, exactly. like a,
1: selling a, you know, $6,000 commitment security system, you know, but the tough part was the ego hit, you know, the summer before I was playing baseball, pursuing my dream. And then I'm knocking on doors, you know, getting the door slammed in my face, which is already hard enough. Mm-hmm. So I was dealing with a lot and I didn't handle it well. You know, the rejection of being an athlete was very different than the rejection of of just people rejecting you because you were being a human. You know, I had never experienced, that. I experienced a lot of rejection and sport failure in baseball because mm-hmm. that's what baseball is, but right. I had never been rejected by other people people. I was always liked by people. And, you know, so that was really difficult to deal with. And
0: have uh, I ask you this. Nick, how would you answer this question? You're, you know, you played at a pretty high level ball, right? So you're pretty, you know, you're an athlete, you're a professional athlete. So you've gone through the rings of complexities. Now they take you out of there and they put you into an entry level knocking on door sales job. Did the complexity level go up or down?
1: Well, capacity for it went down, you know. Um, Look, I I, I had some success, okay, but that's not the point. Mm -hmm. I could sell, but the thing that I struggled with was the rejection. Mm -hmm. So, I hadn't been, like I said, I had been rejected before, but this was entirely different. So, you know you're you're going in a linear fashion, dealing and building uh, uh, dealing with and building towards something in a linear fashion. So everything related to that is in that lane. And so I like completely went into a different lane. And so I had some skill sets, but I didn't understand how to apply them. I didn't have the perspective and the and the tie betweens. I never I didn't have anybody saying, Nick, this is the same thing as when you went 0 for four the same way that you went back to the ballpark the next day is the same thing that you need to do tomorrow. When you go back out on the doors, just know that you can go four for four today. I didn't have that perspective at that time and I didn't have anybody telling me that, but most people don't. And that's why we struggle, right? We take it personally. We, you know, we, we think it's about us and not about those other people. And of course, a lot of the, 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 the you know, uh, people that I dealt with, it wasn't about me. They were just, you know, mad you at life to, or whatever, yeah. you know. And you don't want
2: some guy hanging out at their dinner table with their yeah, wife but, when they come home for a beer, for crying out loud. You <laughs> know what's crazy? I married a
1: girl. So I met Lisa, um, my wife, at an event in Nashville. And uh, she jumped on stage. And this was an event for coaches. And she was sharing... all all of these facts about Estonia. And all I heard was the accent, you know, my (laughs) wife's five, five foot 11. Dad, I found her. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Black hair, ocean blue eyes. And I'm just blown away by this girl. And she's sharing these facts about Estonia. You know, uh, they invented Skype here. Um, Most supermodels per capita than anywhere in the world. And I'm like, game over, you know, (laughs) you know, game over. Um, But my wife, this company, she had just been promoted to being a coach for this company called Southwestern Company. And for six years prior to that, she was one of the top sales reps selling children's books door to door. So she had been coming to the US to sell books door to door for six years. And so, and she was great at it. I only made it in two summers selling security systems. So, you know, my wife and I have the same experience. She's a salesperson, she's she's a coach. Uh, which is a unique thing. I don't know if you guys work in similar fields as your wives or maybe you both work at home. There's also challenges obviously that come with that. Um, you know, but sales has been really a godsend for for me and and it was it was something that allowed me to kind of figure things out. Sales jobs are mostly hundred percent commission jobs. and I've always been certifiably unemployable, just you know, uh, you know, for a lot of reasons. Um, so commission and sales has really been a godsend for me. And, and so I, I have a, an appreciation for sales that, that, um, you know, I think only you can have when you've, when you've done it for as long as I'm sure you guys have. And I I've had, you know, you resist it for a long time, maybe despise it a little bit for a while. Don't want to be called a salesperson. And then you realize what it can provide for you and your family. And, and, and so that's when it gets really fun.
0: Sales is the best. So okay, so what were you doing at this event? So I was
1: I was uh, a coach there with this company called Southwestern Consulting. I was a sales coach there. That was my first coaching job, and uh, I spent four and a half years teaching uh, mortgage professionals, realtors, insurance agents, financial advisors how to sell, and I sold through live workshops. And so my job was to call on sales managers, have them bring me in for a free sales training, and then of course what I was doing at that sales training was selling coaching. And so I learned the difference between keynoting, which is what I had done for three years as a motivational speaker in the youth market prior to getting this opportunity, and uh, and selling from stage because there's a huge difference between keynoting, just telling stories and inspiring or motivating, and then of course selling something is a big difference. And and so I was really fortunate for this experience. But when I was at that event, I was actually transitioning out. Matter of fact, Dave Brown, I'll never forget. Uh, I, I had a phone call with him and I w- i was trying to get out of going to Nashville. I didn't want to go because I was ready to move on and start my own bu- business. Uh, but thank God I did, because I wouldn't mm-hmm. have met my wife if, wow. I, if I hadn't gone. Yeah,
2: it was meant to be so I cool. I believe that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Good stuff. So um, I'm going to go back uh, because I like talking about you. I want to talk about me for a minute. Of course, do it. Uh, no, just a little humor. Uh, but you guys are talking about these transitions in life, yeah. right? So um, I went through a transition. You know, we all periodically we go through transitions and we get comfortable again. So it's transition, get comfortable transition, uncomfortable, and eventually get comfortable again. And so I've, you know, I'm almost 60. So I've gone through several transitions in my life where I felt like I need to be uncomfortable again. That's where you Yeah, so I I made a recent transition just to get to be uncomfortable. Why do people want to do stuff like that? I mean, why don't they just want to Those stay don't. comfortable? What is no, what no. People, is Yeah, but what is don't it want about, to do that? Yeah. yeah you're not but normal But there are dude. some. Yeah, okay. So right. what All right, so you guys have done it, right? So what what is what is it that makes some people just want to be uncomfortable?
1: Well, first of all, Harry, man, you look great, brother. You look great. I <sighs> never would have guessed you were you were 60. You left a cliffhanger there, which is great for storytelling purposes. So hopefully you come back and tell us what you transitioned to. I would love to know what that is, you know, look, I think we hit on it earlier. Most people are just comfortable, man. And, 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 you know, they, they get comfortable and then they get, they get, uh, stuff. And when you have stuff, it makes it hard to get out of those commitments, you know, a mortgage furniture, you know, Mm -hmm. wife, certainly and kids, that's not stuff, right. But that's those are commitments. And I think that, you know, a lot of people don't have the freedom to, or they think they don't, I should say, to take risks, especially later in life. That's, that's my guess. That's so far from the way that I am, though, I'm just guessing.
0: But it's even perceived risk, right? I, to answer your question, Harry, the way I would answer it is that naturally, if you believe in God, if you believe in energy, whatever, we're programmed to grow. If you're not growing, you're dying. And so what happens, even people who get successful, like I'm coaching a guy right now, owns a couple of restaurants. In my book, he's super successful. He feels like he's stuck. He hates Mm -hmm. his life. Mm. And it's like, he got everything. Mm -hmm. Lives in a mansion, cars, traveling, whatever. But to him, he feels like he's stuck. Mm. And, you know... It's inside of us. It's the seed that was planted for us to grow to our full potentials. Now, some of us hear it and allow it to speak within us, and and you know, get us to grow to our full potential. And others hear it and they suppress that that sound, right? Because that's the uncomfortable sound. Now, you got. I would ask, why? What the hell makes somebody want to run an Ironman? Or a 26 mile marathon or what's his face that's running, you know, Jesse Itzler or David Goggins who are running these hundred mile ultra marathons in a weekend or something like why it's because yeah. there's that voice that that seed in us that wants us to grow. Mm-hmm. And just like trees, just like animals, just like anything else, I think our purpose here is to grow to the fullest we can possibly grow see what you can actually create out of yourself before you die you're hearing it nick is hearing it i'm like it's whispering to me but most people don't
1: the whisper part i think is super important for people to grab onto because we expect that it's going to be this loud booming epiphany you know and 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 this is biblical right here you know Mm. and that that it's usually a gentle whisper. You know, I, I can't recall who it is in the Bible that has this experience in the cave. And, and he's he's asking God for something. And he's expecting that the answer is going to come like the, the wind, like a tornado or some huge fire or some tsunami of water. We expect it to be something big like that, but it was just a whisper. And I'll never forget that, you know, because it's usually coming in the in the in the form of something that we need to tune into. And so for me, that's the Holy Spirit. you know and I have a practice that helps me tap into that. But if you're not if that's not your faith and that's not your thing, maybe meditation is. and 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 so one of the things I did, my first coaching offer was for men. It was a program called Alpha Method. and the whole idea was to help man tap into what was already there. So it was about accessing power and power is really energy and clarity and purpose and all those things. And so one of the things we did to tap into that daily was what we called silence, solitude, and stillness. Just getting into space before you start your day, deal with the wife, deal with the kids, even if it's not meditation, just getting into silence and being still so that you can tune into whatever that thing is for you. And that's a powerful practice, man. Mm but you can hear the whispers.
2: Yeah, that whisper thing is really uh, makes me think here Um, how many times the whisper has appeared in my life. So what are you
1: transitioning to, I'm curious.
2: Yeah, I mean, so this past year of COVID, so I'm one of the ones that looked at circumstances changing and said, I'm going to do something with it versus wishing it would go back to normal. I looked at covid as a an opportunity to change and make go to a different level. <laughs> so the transition has been writing a book which is I think it's called Selling with Dignity. So I take my mission history, right? So I was missionary for 15 years, got into sales, started applying the whole mission View of others and the way you treat people versus, you know, I got to be number one. I got to make a ton of money. You know, that type of thing in sales did not appeal to me. Mm. So it was bringing value, a mind of service to others. um, And I figured I could be successful. So I was one of, you know, very few that thought that way, but I made a whole career out of it. And then when I got into sales leadership, probably five years after that, I, first tried to apply what sales leadership was told to me, which is basically, you're the authoritarian, you get people to do the way things that you want them to do. And then I said, you know, I've never been like this. I've been service minded. So I've always I've been a leader in faith, I'm going to just go back to serving. And, you know, 15 years later of serving people in sales leadership has also resulted in successes. So I figured I'd write a book about it, all right? So that was the whole selling with dignity, and you know. Uh, so I'm, I've talked. Dude, to my Harry's employer. being very humble. Harry, I'm a. I'm gonna have to cut you off here because <laughs> okay.
0: that's not that's not your. You know humility transition. is
2: all part of the uh, the process, right?
0: <laughs> yeah, all yeah, right. that's not the transition, dude. When listen, I called Harry uh, about this podcast. And I don't know, The Whisper said, call Harry to do a podcast with him. I haven't seen him probably in a few years before that. And he's running a sales team for a copier dealership in Miami. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: And full time. And he's like, yeah, let's do it. So we started doing this. He starts getting into personal development, hearing his own whispers and following him, reading the books. started following some people uh, online. And then it transitioned from from my view. It's like... I want to serve people. I want to serve them in a capacity as a motivational speaker, as a public speaker, as a sales trainer, as a corporate coach. And he just, dude, there wasn't one freaking ounce of, oh, I'm 60. I can't, you know, what 60 year old would give up a full-time job and go do this and go do that. My man sat down with his company and said, this is what I want to do. This is my passion. You guys can have me part-time. Or something along those lines. And they kept him because of the value that he was bringing to the team and gave him the opportunity to go write his book. Since then, he's attended seminars to learn how to become a speaker. He's attending seminars on leadership. He's given speeches. He's running meetings. Like, dude, this transition (laughs) is freaking awesome to watch. It's not just about writing a book, it's about, I mean, it's, it's, it
2: is pretty it's cool. when much. looking at it from your eyes. I like your, the way you see it better.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's what it is, right? So uh, that's the transition. It's very inspiring because there wasn't a split second of doubt. There wasn't a split second of doubt. Hmm. Like this morning, we had a conversation. He's like, hey, I got this opportunity. Somebody wants me to do a mastermind group. Do you want to do it? Like, do it with me. I'm like, absolutely. He's like, okay, great. Um. And then we got into a little argument. I said, Well, find out from them how many people they're going to have in this mastermind group, and then we can create the program. He's like, Nope, we're just going to create the program like we already have all the people filled in the mastermind group, and we're just going to run it. We're just going to do this on faith. I'm like, Dude, <laughs>
2: all right, let's do I it. it.
0: <laughs> so, so,
1: uh, so are you got, so you did mission, mission work in the Dominican buried,
2: Republic? Yeah.
1: In the DR? Yeah. And Eric, is faith was faith always a part of your life, or is that something you found later in life, or what? What was that for you? Because it sounds like you you share that in common with Harry and myself.
0: No, I was uh, God didn't exist up until a couple of years ago. Um, wow. I had a conversation with John Maxwell, but everywhere I went, people are like, "Hey, what's your faith? What's your faith?" I'm Jewish, by the way. I grew up not really religious, but I always knew I'm Jewish. Um, I had strong ties to the cultural aspect of Judaism, but not necessarily, you know, the religious aspect of it. But then I sat down with John Maxwell one-on-one. It was like some, a a guy that was friends with John Maxwell was like, dude, you got to talk to John about faith. Let me just arrange a meeting. I said, absolutely. I love John Maxwell. Let's sit down and talk. So we sit down and John asked me about my faith. And I told him, he said, Eric, here's what I want you to understand. He said, it's not about the religion. See, I was thinking faith equals religion. And Mm -hmm. I want nothing to do with religion. He said, Mm -hmm. it's not about religion. It's about a relationship. I want you to have a relationship with God. And it made sense. And then two years later, after that conversation, um, something told me to go to the ER because my back was hurting. And it turned out that my heart had a birth defect and I was about to die. And my back never hurt anymore. But I ended up getting open heart surgery that fixed my defect. And I ended up living. And so I know that was God. Like there's no doubt in my mind that was God. And then listening to guys like Napoleon Hill, listening to guys like um Joe Dispenza and and those types of guys, that that resonates with me a lot more. Like God's an energy, God is love. It has nothing to do with you know the religious aspect. And that's that's what I'm following.
1: Love it, man. Powerful. Yeah, yeah. I gotta mm chills when you're telling that story and, and it happens every time and that's that to me is is it means i'm tuned in you know getting chills like that's why i listen to worship music it's not the best music but there's nothing else that gives me the feeling i get when i listen to worship music and it's hmm. like it's an emotional experience for me and, and like Justin Bieber just came out with the new album powerful it's not his main album because the record label probably wouldn't let him released the songs that he released, but he released a second album after his latest release. I think it's called Power, but he's talking about real stuff. And I was listening to it because I was curious and it's Justin Bieber, but he's talking about something that, that, that I know, which is, and have, which is a relationship with the Lord, right? So for me, I'm tuned in. When I feel that way, I know I'm tuned in. So I think this is another thing maybe for your listeners. It's like, when you find the thing that tunes you in, when you find the thing that works for you double down on it double down on it and do more of that and don't go try to find something new all the time because we touched on briefly i mentioned uh, this idea of access to power and how power is finite focus time finite so it's like it's about is my experience in my life and i've seen this a lot with my clients is it's the things that we remove more than the things that we add that really help us grow so yeah, I love what you said. Thank you for sharing your testimony there. That was powerful, man.
0: Dude, but uh, I got to tell you, like a lot of people, myself included, and if you've ever read the work of Dr. Maxwell Maltz in Psychocybernetics, Got it right behind me. Love that book. And it mm. says that you'll never outperform your self-image. And so mm. my problem was that, and I don't know if you guys do this who's listening, my problem was that I can get up on stage and speak or train a company. And then I get great kudos for it. Right. And I would walk out and I would say, Oh, I sucked. I didn't do this. I stuttered. I didn't, I magnified all this crap that I thought I did wrong. And then the next time it was time to do it, I was start self-sabotaging myself. Mm-hmm. Right. And here's the thing I learned in my growth journey is you cannot see the picture when you're inside the frame. Like when Harry was just talking about his transformation, he freaking mentioned the book he's writing. He left out the 50 other awesome things he did because he doesn't see himself as that. And chances are you don't see yourself as the awesome you that you really are. And that's the true power of getting a coach or getting somebody who believes in you. Because if you don't believe in yourself, you'll never, ever outperform that self-belief. But if you get a coach, like I have coaches who just freaking skyrocketed me just because I used their belief in me to do it.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: So, Nick, when you say when you say um, when you hear this, you know, double down on it with that is going to come that gremlin. I call it the gremlin. I'm sure others call it. And everybody knows who that gremlin is, because as soon as you try to double down on it, that little effort gets in your head. And he says, what the hell are you thinking? You're too fat. You suck at that. You've never done that before. You got a job. What do you got? You got kids. What are you going to quit your job and go do that? You, s- no way. Yeah. Stay here. How do yeah. you shut that guy up and go, go really double down?
1: You know, the, it, it, it gets, it just get to me, it gets quieter, you know, and bit and, and the way that you quiet it down is, is, is through action. And so there's this saying, it's a tongue twister. And you probably have to rewind this if you're listening. Um, But the saying is that it's easier to act your way into healthy thinking than it is to think your way into healthy acting. And so that's just a kind of a counterintuitive way of looking at personal development. And here's maybe my interpretation of that. So, you know, in that gap between 27 and Thirty-one. I spent a lot of time in personal development. The first book I read was The Alchemist. I read it cover to cover. It was a game changing book for me. And the next book that I read was Tony a Tony Robbins book. I think it was Unleash the Power, Unlock the Power, Unleash the Power Within. And then on and on I went, but it reached a point of critical mass where all I was doing was reading and, and consuming information and I wasn't acting on it. I was applying some things, but it wasn't real yet. And that's what I mean. At a certain point, the information is gonna become a burden because you know that there's this thing that you should be doing. You know that there's something out there for you because you've got John Maxwell's of the world telling you it's possible. And you've got you know Eric and Harry here and their incredible stories telling you that there's more out there for you, but still you're sitting on your hands. That's where that voice gets loud. So that's where action needs to become the priority. And for me, you know, the first jump that I made to take action on that was, you know, leaving a, a good sales job where I was recognized, I could see a future, I was making pretty good money, and I made the decision that I was going to pursue this, this this calling on my heart to go in and serve inner city youth. Uh, as a youth speaker. And, uh, and I decided to do that. And that is when I started to have the opportunity to apply the personal development. And, and, and that really led to a lot of great things that led me to my faith, frankly. And, and, and so um, action, man, action yeah. is the way that you quiet that voice down.
2: Yeah, I love. Yeah, isn't it said. so true? Sorry, go ahead here. No, no, I was just gonna say that that uh, easier to act your way Into healthy thinking, right? It's just like whenever you do something versus thinking about doing it, it's two completely different outcomes.
0: Yeah. I think the challenge is so act into the person that you want to become. So it's like, it's not fake it till you make it. It's the, the, for me, it's like the guy that I want to be. What does that guy do? How does he act? How does he talk to people? How does he treat people? How much mm-hmm. money is he making? What's his day look like? And that's a lot of work. That's what we got to figure out during that silent time. Right? I've been waking up at 3:30 for a while. There's I missed a few months here and there, but <laughs> That's
1: a rough one, man.
0: 3:30. It's a rough one, man, but but that's, you know, that's the time for this type of stuff. Mm-hmm. Right? First thing in the morning, um, writing out those thoughts. What do I want? What does it look like? How does it feel? And then when we have that clear vision, it's easier. I'm not saying it's easy, but it's easier to act into that vision. But when we're walking around blind, we really don't know who we are going to be. We just know we're going to be healthy. But what does healthy really mean? You ask 10 people, they're going to tell you 10 different answers. What does Mm -hmm. success mean? You ask 10 people, they'll tell you 10 different answers. And we just want to be successful. Well, you don't really have a clear North Star. You really don't have it. It's not there for you. So you can't act into something that's not there. And though Nick, I agree with you a hundred percent. Act into what it is you want to be. But before you do that, you gotta really know what it is you want to be. What do you think of that? Well,
1: I think I think we got to be careful and qualify it with what you said in terms of you gotta know who you want to be. And 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 you're you're absolutely right when you say it, but what people are gonna hear is that I gotta figure it out first. Right. And that's not that's not what Eric is saying. What Eric is saying is you sit down and you make your best guess, your best that's guess right. at who you wanna be. And then you just get to work. And and and, and it might have been John Maxwell or Jim Rohn or some of the classics that said it doesn't matter if it's perfect. It just needs to be defined. And I think it was Jim Rohn, actually one of the most powerful workshops that, 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 I've ever listened to was where he was taking people through and having them qualify their goals. What do you, what do you want? 50 things you want to see happen in your life. Now let's sit down and let's write a one, a five, a three or a five next to it. And, and you write down a one or three or five and that's, you know, how many, how many, how many, years, many years it is things to happen. And you know, powerful workshop. I'm sure the link is somewhere. If we could find that for them, from for them, mm. that'd be a powerful thing for you guys to provide for them in the in, in the show notes. Um, but I he says it. that in that workshop, it doesn't matter yeah, if I it's perfect. It, it just needs to be defined. You know, yeah, you're oh. looking for it, aren't you? <laughs>
0: Not only do I have it, I got to freaking print it out. Is the one-year oh success plan? Yes. <laughs> That's <laughs> awesome. awesome, dude. Jim Rohn is like the best.
2: And, and that um, is like uh, 300 pages of uh, documents it's, here. It's his
0: 12 pillars, <laughs> bro. I got every book he ever Sweet. wrote. I mean, I'm filling this stuff out. I'm working on it, man. It's, uh, look, you got to put great. in the work. You're 100% right. Nick, mm-hmm. I love that you brought up Jim Rohn. I'm still listening to Jim Rohn. <laughs> like, you'll find him in my car 90% of the time just talking with him. I mean, I just love him. Anyway, sorry, go ahead. <laughs> I got no, I excited. Mean,
1: This isn't a surprise, like this isn't a surprise because, you know, and and to everybody that's listening, you should you should give yourself a pat on the back, you know, right now, because, you know, um, there's a saying that's a it's a little cheesy. I try to stay away from cliches in this business because they're they're overused, but some of them are true. So they're they work right And, And its proximity is power. I'm not surprised. I don't think Eric or Harry are surprised that I have the same books on my shelves or that, you know, we listen to the same people. You know, if you're looking at, and you should be looking at Harry and looking at Eric as leaders in your life, and, and that's why you're following them and giving them your time, your power, because they're doing something that you want to see yourself doing, and that's proximity. So this isn't a surprise. You, you, your listeners have found their tribe. I'm a part of this tribe. I attract people like you into my life. I'm not surprised by this because I live a certain way and you people find me or mm-hmm. I find you, it's inevitable. And that's what I believe. And those are decisions that I made all those years back. So when I say at the beginning of this, that this was all by design, it's because it, it is, and it was, you know, when I, when I, uh, I was coming home from a speaking engagement, biggest speaking engagement I had at the time, it was at Texas A&M university. It was a leadership conference and I was flying high. And, uh, I got a call from my little sister and she said, Nick, You know, dad's addicted to heroin. Mm. I was floored, but I knew that I needed to help my dad. I had a piece about it. And that was because of the vision that I had long before that, that eventually, because my dad was an alcoholic, the decisions that he was making, the path he was on, I envisioned that eventually I would get a call like that. And and so, you know, I wasn't surprised by it. Mm. And and so, you know, that's the power of sitting down and having a vision, good and bad. We expect that the vision is going to give us good things, but it's also going to prepare us for the bad things. And so it just takes a level of intention that you're seeing acted out right in front of you. You know, Eric's not pulling out a book that isn't filled out. He's taking action on the information that's available to him. That's intention. That's vision you know, that's making things a reality. And, 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 you know, you know, Harry, your story of, of listening to the prompting to make a shift at what some people say is the twilight or the winter of their life, you know, like whatever that even means and you just did it, that's action, you know? So just, just like powerful examples of, of vision and action and making stuff happen, you
0: know? All Right. So if I was to recap, somebody's listening right now who might be stuck in their business stuck in whatever it is that you got going on, you just feel like there's more for you. If I heard you correctly, you're saying, get silent, get quiet, get alone. And just listen to the voice, go deep.
1: A great place to start, you know? And
0: what did they, what do they do? Because there are a lot of voices, right? There are a lot of, there's a lot of noise going on in most heads right now. Like, how do you tune into the right one?
1: You know, I don't know. I don't know that I have a good answer for that. It, the, the the best guess that I can make, educated guess, is that you put yourself in an environment where you can become informed by yourself. You know, self-awareness is, 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 is important. And so even if you are in that silent solitude and stillness and you don't like the voice that you hear, keep showing up. And don't be judgmental, you know. I've got a nine-month-old. First, this is my first baby, and you know she cries and cries and cries, and it's a helpless feeling. If you have kids, you know what I mean. But you don't put the baby in the closet while she's
0: crying. You don't. You know, you if it was a boy, would you? <laughs>
1: Yeah, yeah, a little different,
0: right? Maybe. Uh, <laughs> Damn, you we're know, bad parents. Yeah. We are Toughen bad parents, Eric. Yeah,
1: you're like well, maybe that's just my house. You know, uh, where that happens. No, <laughs> I'm talking
0: all tough. I was like the softest freaking yeah. dad ever. Anyway, go ahead. You but don't you, put the baby in the closet. You I don't agree. Put in the the
1: closet. Same thing is true with you know the silence, solitude, and stillness, right? Like, if you don't like what you're hearing, just sitting with it and 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 not judging it and and being open you know, that's, that's powerful to do for yourself. And and pretty soon you'll start to get some answers. So if silent, solitude, and stillness is the direction you go, just be open, man. Just be open.
0: My wife sent yeah. me an article yesterday from Forbes. Sorry, Harry, my bad. I just got to share this. And I, I did this last night and it was an article on all the greats. I'll, I'll, I'll link it. The you gist mean like Eric kind
2: of and Harry Spate, Nick even better, like Thomas okay. Edison,
0: <laughs> like like Thomas okay. Edison we'll and Napoleon Hill. Clone. Yeah, we're not there yet. I'm not there yet. You're you're closer to them than oh, I. Oh yeah, right. in age, in, in age. <laughs> yeah. uh, so, thank you. You're you're welcome. So the article pretty much said what they would do, they would have this practice that before they go to bed, they would write down and, and you, no blue screens, no TV, no phones before you go to bed, just with yourself, you write down a piece of paper, whatever question you have for you, it may be, you know, what's the next step for me? What's my next, Why why do I feel like something's missing? What is it that I truly want? Whatever it is, right? And you write it down before you go to sleep and you go to sleep. And when you wake up, the first thing you do is do a brain dump, take that notepad and write out everything that comes to mind, whatever it is. It could be I love Cheetos and I hate my car, but and just keep writing, dump everything out of your brain. And in there, you're going to find treasure. And that's what like Edison says that's responsible for most of his inventions is this practice, which is pretty neat. Sorry, Harry, go ahead.
2: Uh, so this is like, uh, I could go back in time to when I was 35. And I knew that the mission life was over. And I just had to deal with it. Like, I'm very similar to what you guys dealt with leaving your past life It's like, I knew this life it was all I was going to do for the rest of my life, and then change hit. And I had to just deal with it, right? It wasn't the answer I wanted. Mm -hmm. right? And you just listen to it. Mm -hmm. And then now in this stage, I, when I came up with the idea of when going through the whole transformation of at my ripe old age, I did not care where it was going to take me. I didn't want it to take me somewhere, but I said, you know, I don't, I'm going to just deal with it. If it takes me down this path and that's where the whole, where the book, came in and it brought, I'm going to go spiritual here, brought God back into my life. That just didn't, I didn't expect that.
0: Wow. Cool. Cool. You got emotional there, man. What's going on? Yeah, a
2: little bit. I know allergies, but you know, so the point is, is that you just got
0: it. Yeah.
2: But the the point is that um, you don't, you just deal with where don't let the outcome scare you. Well, you
0: said you brought God right? back so, into your life. Where was God from the point you were 35 till now?
2: Um, Yeah, kind of in the back burner, way, way back burner. Right. So, I mean, not that, I mean, so it's, it's, it's just an evolution of thinking the change of thinking, but the way you thought based on John Maxwell and what he told you is I didn't have that thinking years ago. And then I was kind of like uh, out there for a while, and now I think like that. And I, you know, I listen to Nick, and I can say he's my brother, right? And I hear, you know, different people, and I can re- totally relate to them. Versus where I was in my mission life, it's all about religion. Mm-hmm. And then when you get turned off by religion in life, then you say it's not about the religion; it's about people and doing good for others, and it doesn't matter what the label is. So anyway, so Harry, we're going to whole... have to do an interview just, just listening <laughs> to that. <laughs> yeah. And, yes. and God, so, I, f- I feel like we thank you for Nick. getting me to open up there, Nick, that was I mean, Nick, I, I totally love this. I mean, you have you're inspirational uh, and you got us being inspired by each other, which again, doesn't happen for re- without reason. But I mean, I just love it. I mean, I think this is probably the deepest conversation you and I had, Eric. It is. It's definitely one of them. <laughs>
0: My um, yeah, dad, I apologize
2: for the allergies.
0: It's just uh, not allergies, dude. <laughs> no. yeah, that's the, that's the, you're, you're in tune. Like Nick said earlier, like when he gets goosebumps, you got some goosebumps, you're in tune, man. So Nick, what do you have for our listeners, man? You got some pretty cool downloads to help people grow their business. You got a few good tribes on Facebook. You're on Instagram. You're in Clubhouse. Share with our listeners where they can find you and connect with you.
1: Yeah. So you know, there's a lot of reasons right now why people are unseen and unheard and, and not being experienced. And not everybody's brave enough to jump out there like, like you have Harry, like you have Eric and put yourself out there. And so, you know, I I had a pretty crazy experience just briefly, um, I'll share this story and then give you a, a resource that will help you. Um, You know, I was in sales and I was successful and I was speaking and my career was progressing and then I was a victim of this random act of violence. And I had symptoms of PTSD where doing the things that I had always done became very, very difficult. You know, getting on stage, being at a restaurant, being outwardly, you know, gregarious and connecting with people became really difficult for me. So it taught me to respect communication and the ability to communicate. And coming out of that, it just changed my mission. And I was always impact driven, but now I'm really mission driven to make sure that communicating a message, if it's on your heart to share that with the world is is possible for you. And so if that's you, and if you feel like you don't have the tools or you're not equipped, what I want you to do is go to nickconner.com. And, and there's three options that I have there very strategically. If this is the first time you're coming in, in contact with, any of my work. Download the free giveaway, uh, how to get your first 100 event attendees if you're running webinars or want to figure out a way to run your own live event. If if you really resonate with what I've said, there's a training series there. Um, it's really all about how to get your message out there in a bigger way. And if you really want to work further, there's an opportunity there for us to talk one on one. So nickconner.com is the place to go. And if you have a message that you want to get out into the world, I'd really encourage you to go there right now and, and take a look
2: awesome nick wow thanks for sharing man i went there already i encourage you
0: (laughs)
1: appreciate it harry appreciate it man this is this has been awesome fellas i mean i always uh, appreciate the opportunity to get on somebody's podcast so thanks so much for having me guys well the
0: world needs to hear your message nick thank you so much for joining us today man this was a blast from here to there you're gonna grow because you've listened to our show if you like our podcast vibe don't be a stranger hit subscribe thank you so much for tuning in be sure to join the b2b sales secrets facebook group and we'll see you on the next episode